Thank you for tuning in to Uncommon Women, a podcast that provides a platform for women of all walks of life to share their upbringings, life lessons learned, experiences, and journeys to come. Uncommon Women speaks on topics that can relate to all women. We share, we listen, we laugh, we cry, and we empower each other to be the best uncommon woman that they can be. Ultimately, we are cultivating a global movement of women supporting women. Women supporting entrepreneurship, relationships, self-love, and so much more. We inspire each other to make an impact on this world for the better. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to Uncommon Women. Now, finally, grab a seat, get comfortable, and hear from your wonderful host, Shanira and Jenny Lee. Good evening, kings and queens. Thank you for tuning in to Uncommon Women. I'm Shanira. And I'm Jenny Lee. And today we have an amazing guest speaker that's going to come on today and share her story um, about her being a mother of three, residing in Nashville, Tennessee, who is Amazon's number one best-selling author and advocate for Autism TN and Bill and Strong, with being a, a co-host of a Writer's Corner Live TV and Special Needs TV Online. Um, today she's going to share her testimony and also educate us as being a parent to three children three children, including two beautiful special needs children. So thank you so much, Mary, for tuning in and being a part of Uncommon Women. Uh, before we get into today's topic, uh, is there anything that you want to share about yourself that I didn't mention? Um, I don't think so. Oh, well, I ghostwrite as well. And um, I am now considered a songwriter. So I'm super excited about that little venture there. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. And then um uh, I guess you kind of you kind of covered all of it. Yes. <laughs> so how has your journey been um, so far being a songwriter? It was very exciting, actually. My co-writer, my co-writer author, Thornton Klein, who we've done, I guess we have four books. We're getting ready to have a fifth one out. Mm -hmm. um, and he is a um, brilliant songwriter, but he and my oldest daughter and I wrote a song last summer. And then my girls recorded it this last March. And actually June 28th of this month, we're launching it uh, on all uh, platforms for music. And then we'll launch it on um, Euro, the world in Euro indie charts. So I'm really excited about it. It's been a lot of fun. And it's sort of like, you know, when you're a writer, um, writing can come out in so many different ways. And so mm -hmm. so songwriting is almost like taking poetry and then putting it to music, you know. So I am a poet by heart. That's what I started with. And um, so I'm excited about it. I can't wait. I love the song. Um, it's based on an experience in my daughter's life. And, mm -hmm. and, um, and a lot of us can relate to it. And it's a love song. So, yeah, it's, it's sweet. That's amazing. And does your daughter, does she enjoy singing? Is that one of her hobbies that she enjoys doing? Yeah, both my girls, they sing. They've been singing for, I don't know how many years now. We were trying to think about that because I had to write up some bios for them. But they've been singing for years now. They've got that sister harmony that's so pure, you know, that's so beautiful. And uh, my oldest uh, is a music major, and um, both of them have been in musical theater. Like, we were getting ready for show production this weekend um, for 10, 11 years, I guess. So they kind of, that was part of my background. So they kind of took on with the love of that, and it's been a lot of fun to be with them through that. And it's been a great outlet. Um, I really believe for children, 
that you should, if you can, you know, the arts, academics, and athletics are a great triangle for raising children um, because since we're creative beings, we need an outlet, something that's healthy. And it's definitely a very healthy way for somebody to express themselves. I had two of my kids were nonverbal. So art was a very big, big part of my middle daughter's life and being able to process through some of the things that she went through in her life. Wow. Wow. That's so amazing. So it looks like we'll be bringing the whole family on next time. <laughs> well, we are, the, we are the Jackson Five, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> on the, the Jackson Five. The Jackson Five plus one with the dog if we bring the dog. The, so. dog, okay. the, dog, the harmony on the dog. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. right. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So let's let's dive into that because you said that um, you know, they are basically following your footsteps maybe when you were younger. Can you tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about your life and how it was growing up? Um, well, I come from, um, my parents divorced when I was about 10, 11. So there's that broken home, you know, situation. My father left and he went to work and work was his life. And so I, like a lot of other people out there had those abandonment issues growing up. Right. And so it's pretty tough. And, you know, I, I think the toughest part is being a human walking around this world and knowing there's a parent out there that doesn't want you. So I think for kids, that's an identity crisis that we, we suffer very early in life. Yes. And then unless you go through therapy and you get the help that you need, that goes into your adult life. And, you know, then you are doing things in your life motivated by something that's not very healthy, you know? And so, um, but that was, but growing up, I... I was a dancer from about the age of three on. And so like my first job, I danced at Disney World and then some other theme parks. And I actually was at a tourist attraction in Orlando when I met my husband. And so he's not, he doesn't do any of this stuff. So, uh, but you know, he's, he's the more of the corporate person, you know, <laughs> and the family. And, um, but I worked at Disney and then uh, a place called Boardwalk and Baseball, which is now, a, it's a place for a professional baseball team is there. Uh, they have their practices and things there. I don't know, it's been, been a long time, so I don't know what it's used for at, at this point. But then um, I went to Church Street Station, which was one of the funnest jobs I ever had in my life. I worked out at Universal Studios and some of the studios in Orlando, and I, I did film and TV commercials. And that was what I wanted to do with my life. And um, it was just, I guess it was a way for me to be creative. I, I found myself there, you know, and I, I think when you have a background where you come from, a, you have brokenness in your life and you have abandonment. I think a lot of people go into that field looking for something to fill, fill the void. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Fill that void, but you don't really realize that that's what you're doing, you know? And so um, I really thought, I thought if I could sing and dance every day of my life, I'd be the happiest little cookie on the planet, right? <clears throat> but life doesn't always work out like you want. And it doesn't always go the way you want. Sometimes the universe says, well, we've got other plans for you. So <laughs> you're not going to be doing that right now. So anyways, but uh, so that was my life growing up. I have two younger brothers and um, I, you know, 
I grew up in the 70s and 80s. I'm an, I graduated 85. So it's a great year for music and everything else, right? Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> growing up this way is so different than our kids are growing up today. Yes. And I think about the freedom that I had and all the independence I had and all the things I did. I, I, I just, if my kids were <laughs> out there like I was, I don't, I'd just be, I'd probably be in a closet screaming right. because the world is not as safe as it was, you know, back then we, we could go out and be out to after dark and that we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have beepers or whatever, you know, technology that has been around to be able to contact our kids. I, I mean, you guys are probably like me. If you don't know where your kid is, it's like the world's over, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we need a tracking device they're on like, our kids. They're like, why are you panicking? And it's like, you don't understand what's going on in this world. Like, you know what's going where you're at. <laughs> I, I haven't heard from you in an hour. Where are you? No, I'm kidding. No, not that bad. <laughs> yeah. It depends on if it's dark or not. <laughs> I yeah, right, exactly. Well, and if you have girls, I, I think raising girls is quite oh, it's really hard. It, it's hard. It and yeah. And you know, I don't know about y'all, but I mean, I'm like I've got one in college, one getting ready to go to college. And it's like, okay, when you go get gas, you don't look at anybody. You don't talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. You have your phone up here. Like you're busy. And the only person you talk to is the attendant. If you have an emergency, otherwise you yes. don't talk to people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's so yeah. sad. We have to teach our kids that stuff. Yeah. Cause I have an 18 year old and she's in college. And even when she went to the mall and I was in the mall with her and she would just want to walk away quickly. Like, Oh, I'm going to go to the store. And I, I panic because you know, she's a young girl and especially a lot of human trafficking also happens in the mall because I've heard so many stories about it. Yeah. I'm like, make sure you keep your phone on me. You know, make sure you let me know when you're at. Make sure you let me. She's like, mom, I'm only going to the store across the way. It doesn't matter. Uh, right. Happen. I mean, we didn't live in that world when we were young. We, Like you said, we were out to after dark sometimes. Right. Yeah. I, I remember being in the mall without my mother. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You know, are dropping us off and then coming back to pick us up or whatever. You know, I remember being at the skating rink without my parents. Mm -hmm. I remember being lots of places without my mom and, and just being, I just don't know that I could do that these days, you know, mm -hmm. the way things are. And I hate that we have to be parents like that. You know, I really do. Because my friends who have like given their kids total like freedom and stuff, it hasn't worked out so well. In some instances, you know, it, it just because I think there's just so many variables that have have been there's too many things that are going on. So, yeah, so many, so many things. I can definitely agree there. agree with that with you on that. And I think honestly, I think it's a it's a possibility that it's it's been going on for some time. It's just now that we have social media and it's more um, out there for us to actually mm -hmm. see it. But there's accessibility to kids that there never was before. That's true. And our kids having accessibility to things they never did before so that they're they're seeing things before their brain is ready to process. I'm like, I know. I like try to tell my daughter, I'm like, you don't understand that some of the games that are out there, you know, you guys just you're you're not ready for it. Your head, your brain is not ready for it. It's it's. We, I mean, we watch the Roadrunner, right? And Bugs Bunny and mm -hmm. fall off the cliff, drop the bomb, get back up, keep going. But none of us tried to do that because we we knew it wasn't real. It wasn't exactly. Right. Well, yeah. It's entertainment, and that's the thing. They really they don't know how to distinguish between reality and entertainment. 
I mean, yes. you made a good point mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. Yeah. So. So let's get into, you have three girls, is it? You have. No. I have two girls and, and then I have a, I have a, um, a macho man. <laughs> He's nine. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so he was, he was my surprise baby. I was 44 and then I turned 45 and it was like, excuse me. Okay. Oh. Nobody, nobody asked me. I did not get a memo and I did not, I did not get word check. Yes or no. You want to participate in this? So that did not happen for me. So it was like, Hey, you're pregnant. You look bored, need a baby. So, you know, that's what happened. Oh, wow. He was a surprise baby. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he, yeah, big surprise. Like, oh, my step, my stepfather's like, you need to name him Startle. I was like, no, I, don't, I don't think that's going to work very well. So, yeah. But yeah, so, and he was my, he's my rainbow baby because I had lost a baby two years before, but um, he was not planned. And he's been the, one of the greatest gifts that I could have ever. I don't know that I could have dreamed it even, you know, he's like, I say he's the puzzle piece. He is autistic, but he's the puzzle piece that puts our family together. He really is. He's, he's just amazing. And, um, I just need more energy to be able to raise him at my age, you know? So let's get into that. Can you tell us the day-to-day -day life of being a mother and having to raise an autistic child in at the age of 24? Yeah. Yeah. Well, a uh, 54 actually. So yeah. 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 So, uh, but I'd love to be 44 again. <laughs> I'm thinking of all the things I could do if I could go back. Right. Um, well, it's, you know, it's, it's a very interesting life. Um, it is like today we, you know, we had OT therapy yesterday. We had speech therapy because um, he's still in therapies that um, happen twice a week. If he's in school, they happen four times a week, but um you know, it's, it's a lot of juggling. And, and I think that you, I've been doing this 22 years now, and I've been a special needs mom for 18 years. Okay. And when it first, with my first daughter that was, you know, diagnosed, my, first of all, my oldest came in when she came in, she did everything normal. Like she had every milestone mm -hmm. and I had had a daycare. I'd raised my brothers. I thought I knew a lot about being a parent or raising kids and, and taking care of them. Well, I didn't know anything. So, uh, all that training did not prepare me for my life. You'd think it would have, but, um, and then she showed, like about two and a half or three, my oldest, you know, texture sensitivity. She did things like only wear certain colors mm. and didn't want anybody to touch her. But I didn't, you know, the pediatrician was like, she's fine. So I went along with that. And besides she met all her milestones. And then my second child came around three years later or two and a half years later and she was quiet and, um, you know, she didn't, she didn't crawl at first. She rolled, you know, she didn't hit all those milestones. She, you know, she was late walker. Mm -hmm. And then when she started talking, her talking was, I mean, it was not um, English. It was like, a well, we thought it was cute and thought she was, oh, she's a little fairy, you mm -hmm. know? And um, so she was about two and a half when, when um, what's called early intervention services came through and tested all the children and they let me know she was very behind and delayed. And, you know, there were quite a few diagnoses for her. And at first I was like, well, they just, they don't know what they're talking about. 
I mean, I really was like that because I didn't know enough at that point. I mean, my mother is one of my heroes. She worked in the in what was called the handicap department that was back in the 70s and 80s in college. And there was always somebody at my house who was in a wheelchair, on crutches, maybe cerebral palsy. I mean, I grew up around this, right? But I had not grown up and was not familiar with autism and any kind of a challenge or a special need in a child in the form that my children had. So Lily was probably four before I, I heard her say, I love you before she could say it. Yeah. When she did, I really cried because it was like, wow, we just really take things for granted in this world. Don't we, you know, we really do. When you've got typical going on, mm -hmm. there's so much we take for granted. Yeah. And, um, so therapy started with her when she was three or before she was three. And so that was a whole new world for me and people coming into my home, working with my child every day, trying to learn how to teach her how to speak her own language. I mean, we had to start with two, two word sentences, you know, like it's, a, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but what they use is a board that says first on this side and then on this side. So first we do this, then we do this. And that's how you began speaking the language with a child you know, English, if they have challenges. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was just uh, that I was, that was just, it took over my life basically, you know, and um, there were lots of meetings, lots of therapies, and it, it took a lot to get used to. Um, and then when she went into, to elementary before elementary, I, I be, we become an advocate as soon as we're pregnant, right? Because then we have to advocate yeah. for our bodies, our the, the fetus that's inside of us. We have right. to advocate for that. Then yeah. when the baby's born, then we're advocating differently. We have to learn how to understand they need a diaper change or they're going to the bathroom or they need a bottle or nursing or bedtime or whatever it is, rocking comfort. And so I then had to change and become a different kind of advocate, having to learn what her diagnosis actually meant. So I felt very lonely. I felt very um, uh, naive to the the information that was given to me because I had not heard any of these things before. So I had to go do my own research. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, that was the most empowering thing I ever did for myself. And I always tell parents, research, 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 because you go from a victim to a victor. Mm -hmm. you empower yourself and you empower your kid because what I have seen with my own children, what they've overcome, they're miracles as far as I'm concerned and watching a child overcome because they have the ability to all children do, even if it's a tiny something they overcome, they're very brilliant, you know? Mm -hmm. and so I am, um, I'm a big advocate for early intervention services because the younger you get a child that has challenges, the better off they will, the more likely they are to overcome them, you know? So um, when she was in, pre-kindergarten, it was a pretty traumatic experience that our, not only she went through, but in then the years following our whole family went through, but she was abused for about eight months in her classroom by her teacher. And she was four and then turned five during that time. And, um, and I think this is one of the questions that you had for me. She was not ever able to tell me what was going on because she was still in a place where she couldn't really answer questions. And so like she was fully potty trained and near the end of that school year, she started, she started having accidents at school. And so they were getting upset with her about this, but I didn't know what was happening until uh, we came home from break that year. It was March, April. And I got a 
call on the phone. We got a phone call from the police department letting us know what had gone on with our child for eight months. And that that I that's still hard for me to talk about. That's pretty devastating to you you don't know because your child can't tell you. Yeah. Even though they're acting a little different, but you don't know if it's just if it's like um, you know, they're they're resisting being away from you. They're having that resistance and fear. Um, and they're clingy because you know how kids go in and out of their moods yeah. when they're little, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so we were informed of what was ha- what had gone on, and that there was an investigation going on. And you know, child services had to come to my home and interview my child, and she would not say anything out loud. She would only whisper in the officer's ear so that we couldn't even hear her. Yeah. And that's pretty. That's pretty hard. And it took, so immediately we put her, we started to go to therapy and we ended up in a lawsuit with about six other families over what happened. So that in itself is, well, there's really no words to describe that kind of journey because it's hard and it's it's lonely because you can't talk to people about it. And the only person who could understand is somebody else whose kid has gone through something like that. And, you know, we, it took her probably six, eight, six, eight months of going to therapy every week before she could even say the teacher's name out loud in the therapy session. Wow. So that's pretty terrible, you know? Um, and, you know, the, what they prepare you for your child's life to be after things like that happen, I, I don't know. I don't know how families get through it. I do know that God has been my source of strength through everything in my life. I do know that when Carson, when my youngest was born, um, he came at a time <clears throat> after everything. Like, I was pregnant and, and he had stopped growing. I mean, this is a true story, y'all. I was pregnant. He had stopped growing in utero. I was told to go to bed to hopefully that he would survive. And that's when our case came to court. And I needed to be on the stand to defend my daughter. That was tough because I was praying for her. And I was praying for God to save my baby so that I could get through that for my daughter. Because I was fighting for her, you know. I... I I went into trying to change the law in our state to protect kids. So I, so my, my, my advocacy journey took such a different turn than maybe someone else's might because I ended up trying to find law to change it, you know, to make it a better place for our kids, safe place for our children and various other things, of course. But, you know, he, my youngest was, was a healer for me because after everything happened in the end and how things went down in the court system, I lost faith. I lost, I, I've had a relationship with God my whole life and I lost everything that way. You know, my faith in man, my faith in the justice system, my faith in God. And how could you let this happen to my child? I mean, what mother wouldn't feel that way? You know, that now my child's been damaged at the hands of another human. I mean, how do you ever be okay about that? You know, and then when my little guy was born, you know, he, there was no time for me to grieve. There was no time for me to mourn. So I had to pick up 
my had to get my boots on, pull my big girl panties up, right, as we say, and I had to keep going. And through that, I don't know, my faith is stronger now than it's ever been in my life. So, but, I mean, that, something like that will either kill you or you'll be stronger from it, mm -hmm. you know? So, so before you got that phone call uh, from the, um, from the police department, mm -hmm. yeah, police department, then at any time did, how did, how did they find out? Was it through another family or they're already investigating someone in the daycare? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was a public school. <laughs> it's not even a daycare. This, this is a public school. Yeah. This was oh, wow. elementary school. Yeah. Wow. That's why you're like, how did this happen? Right. I mean, that's right. the question, right? So, um, two aides had written up letters and sent them in. It was kind of like one of those perfect storms. Uh -huh. And at the same time they did that, there was an event at the school and a parent saw something happen and reported it. And that's how everything, that's how everything came about. <clears throat> so they had taken her out of the school before we, the school didn't even inform us. The police department did. That's pretty crappy. Wow. Yeah. And when I called the school to say what the belief is going on, because I'm sure I used a few choice right. words, right? right. Yeah. Um, um, it was like, well, you know, we don't know, you know, more than we do. And we've got a new teacher in the classroom. So we're moving on. And I just was like, I'm sure I said, you have to bleep, 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 be kidding me. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm not sure. I may not have been audible what I said at that point. Right. I don't remember. It's a long time ago. So, but I mean, I just, that was 2008. So 2009 is a long time ago. And you just, I don't know. You just, it's, it's really hard to fathom. I mean, I sat in court and, and watched people testify, not knowing the difference between neglect, neglect and abuse. And, and how do you not know? And how, how are you not trained on this to know it? But even for the sake, if you have a student who it's happening at home to them, Right. Because that's the majority of where abuse happens is at right. the home. Right. Yeah. It doesn't. No. We don't we don't yeah. expect to see it in a school. You mm -hmm. know? So, you know, and, you know, as someone that's worked with special needs kids through the school system, you know, we're supposed to be a mandated reporter. Like any little thing. It's just like, you know, you mentioned that, oh, they called you and they're like, oh, well, we just fired them and they left. That's not how it goes. You know, you, you should, even if working in the public school system, there has to be more to be done. It's not just firing someone. Somebody needs to pay for what they did because when they do things like this, a child gets trauma. There's a lot of trauma behind it. You know, the kid has, you know, child as someone that has been sexually abused, myself, you know, as a, as a child, we go through it. You know, we have therapy the family's affected everything around you is affected and your whole life changes and exactly. as, a, right. as a parent you 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 can't parent the same way you don't parent the same way and and you you lose your trust in life and is, is yeah. my kid safe is my kid safe i mean there's ptsd that happens there's so much that that happens i mean when we're sitting here talking about this i think back and you know, I don't relive all this stuff and I have not written about it yet. At some point I will, but sitting here, I'm like, how the hell am I sitting here right now? Mm -hmm. And we're laughing before the show, but it's, it's because I think we, we learn to compartmentalize things in our lives and we have to put them in a section in our brain so we can then be able to function with our life, you know, 
Um, but my understanding when a child is young, very young, like she was, the trauma gets stuck in the brain. And there, there are some very, there are some unconventional, if you want to call it, uh, therapies out there that there is also EMDR that, um, you know, that rapid eye movement therapy mm-hmm. that will help shift. And we use that at one point to help shift trauma from one part of the brain to the other so that a person can deal with it. Uh, because the, the brain does that to keep us safe. You know, it buries those things. Um, but I mean, I was told that when she was when by a, a, a neuroparapsychologist, I can't remember all his title, but it was that, you know, children who are abused like that at a young age and suffer trauma, they are more likely to have heart disease, emotional, mental issues and die young. And well, what parent wants to hear that? So to say that, you know, our whole life changed in so many ways. Uh, I mean, I had a child who I couldn't be in another room without her for years, y'all, years. I mean, I, I imagine being the mother of a child who you can't be out of their sight and getting them to school every day is kind of a nightmare, you know? So, I mean, I, and like I said, I don't always think about these things and I don't talk about this a whole lot. So sitting here, it's like, I mean, it had to be God that got us through. I don't know how else you would do it as a parent. And you just, you go forward, you, you move forward and you go, okay, this is what we have to do right now. We have to keep going. We can't stop. So I never changed our life for what happened. I, I made her do things that were normal. If you want to say ballet, dance, gymnastics, softball, music, whatever fed her and nourished her heart, her being that she would feel safe in and feel empowered. That's what I did for her and my oldest because it affected all of us because, you know, there was a period of time, say we went out to eat and a little, that was hard, but it went all through elementary. I mean, it didn't just stop there. You know what I mean? I mean, I remember fifth grade, Wow. The fr- yeah, the first couple of weeks of fifth grade, I, I she went and then she wouldn't go. I mean, literally, I mean, it was it was bad. And I remember the principal calling me and go, okay, what's up? And I'm go, I don't know what to tell you. Something happened at school that really set her off and she's afraid to be there now. I said, so you need to help me with this because this is much your responsibility as it is mine to get her in there, right? If this is where right. we choose to put her. And so it took about another week and they were, you know, they were very good with me about it. I mean, I had been on the PTO in this school for like 10 years. So, you know, a total of 10 years. So I had that relationship there, which was good. Um, And part of the reason being on PTO was that I was in school. I was there. She could see me. So some of that was by design and some of that was just the nature of where I was in my life and who I am as a person, you know, and it just the way God, God took me down that path. And, and I, I, I praise those years is in PTO because it, what it trained me in life, uh, the, the organization, the working with others, the, uh, combination of being able to get along and make things be successful and all the money you raise for school. And we were a title one school. So we, we did have to work at, at raising money because we had families who could not, you know. Uh, couldn't do all the fundraising because, you know, schools do so much fundraising. Oh my gosh. Mm. You sell everything. And, um, but it, even in fifth grade, there were, there were struggles for her to be there. So I took her out of the 
public and put her in private where we had ended up putting her sister and that's where she felt safe wow. and then started to see some things start to change and go in a better way. And I mean, if you met her today, you'd have no idea that anything ever happened because there has been so much work done. And, you know, what people out there who don't have special needs kids, what they don't know is how much sacrifice goes into, you know, it's the whole family's vested in raising children. Um, you got to have help from your family. You need support, even neighbors, relatives, you know, um, and you have to, you know, I couldn't discipline, you know, old school discipline, right? Like we learned from our parents. Right. You can't do that anymore. Right. No. So there was no more timeouts. There was, I had to relearn a whole different way of parenting for my own children. And I think, it, I mean, it's worked really well, but it is more, and it's funny. I saw something on a parenting email that came in and it was like, um, is it called calm parenting? I guess that's the name they give it now. So somebody's come up with a name for it, you know, but it is a whole lot more of, you know, we have to stay calm. But it's a whole lot more of talking to that child, not at them, but to them about yes. what's happening. So part of like what I teach and write about and, and really want this to grow is, is, is teaching kids how to self-regulate their emotions and help them understand. I mean, my guy is nine today at OT, for instance, because a lot of children on the spectrum don't have really great social emotional skills. They don't have great cues for social stuff, right? right? And yeah. so they spend time, his therapist does, teaching him about his body parts and like in the sense of where the emotions sit and what he's feeling. So when you're sad, how do your eyes feel? How does your nose feel? How do your ears feel? Your tummy? So that he can associate that and understand, oh, okay, so I have butterflies in my stomach right now. So I may be nervous or I may be excited, but he can tell me. Right. Which is amazing. I think totally amazing. And I think that we're missing this. Like uh, Laura and I were talking about this today. Why isn't this being taught in schools to all kids? Why isn't it being taught? Because I believe it would cut down on bullying. I really believe it would cut down, you know, I agree. And I think that it also gives them more of a connection with their emotions because some yeah. children don't know how to express themselves mm -hmm. so like when they're going through something, they're angry, but they don't know how to express that they're angry. So they act out. Mm -hmm. Yep. How many of us adults don't know? Like, I, I don't know. I'm just feeling <laughs> off today. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm just feeling That's off true. today. Like, <laughs> once a month, we all feel that for girls, right? That We're like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That is so true. So, how can family and friends help when it comes to supporting a parent that has a special needs child? Well, then, you know. That's a really great question because um, it's so important to feel supported because, you know, there's a higher divorce rate, obviously, in, in families with children with challenges and disabilities. The stress level is a whole lot higher. But a family and friends can help by uh, understanding, learning to know what that child has, what's going on. And don't argue with the parent and say that child's fine. If the child's been given a diagnosis, then you need to trust that diagnosis and you need to trust the parent as well. A lot yeah. of people don't go and get diagnosis because they're surrounded in a family by who that, that are saying to them, there's nothing wrong with that kid. Mm -hmm. That kid's fine. You know, they, they don't want to label on their child. Yeah. Well, if you go to the doctor and the doctor doesn't give you a diagnosis, then you don't get your prescription to get better. It's the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. That's, That's, very true. That's yeah. true. 
Yeah. Very true. Because, you know, as you can't just sit there and say that everything's okay when you know this kid, there's like symptoms and you're, they're showing signs that, okay, something is not right. Right. And I think t people tend to do that. Like once again, like you said, because they don't want that label, but if you don't never get the help with them, because I've seen from experience um, working with special needs and the res of when I was working through the school district here where I live at, I had a child where they didn't start getting any help. So it was really challenging because I was the one that took, I had to teach them, you know, they're teaching mm -hmm. me what I need to teach him. And it was hard. I think the first couple months were so hard and then the progress started coming and I just like, you know, when they brought him into school, he had no type of like, we didn't know anything about the child. Like he was diagnosed, but there was no services given to the child. So we didn't even know where to start. And I'm just like, okay, so what am I to do? You know, I get it. No one wants to label the child, but you know, your child's diagnosed with something and you didn't get the early help. Now it's going to be two times harder you know, a child can over uh, accomplish anything or are capable of doing everything, but it's just like you have to put in that extra work and it could be overwhelming, too. So I guess that's probably why a lot of families don't. They sweep it under the rug. Exactly. They sweep it under the rug. Thank you. Um, and they're just in denial of that because it's just work. Not too many people can handle that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't want to be they don't want to be bothered. Um mm -hmm. I'm trying to think. I was in a conversation. Um, I was in. A, okay, I had my show on Tuesday. The author that we had on wrote a book about PTSD and mental health, mm -hmm. and he's gone into companies and stuff, and he talks to them about how to help their um, employees who are going through mental health issues or PTSD. Yeah. And one of the statements was that they had said something about an employee that, oh, we just leave him alone and he'll be okay until there's a problem. And it's like, that's how, what, what family, there, there's something about accommodating a child and then encouraging and, and, and aiding the behavior to continue. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes the behavior is actually the way a child communicates with you because they can't mm -hmm. tell you what's happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you think it's bad behavior. And really what they're saying is I'm hungry. I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed and I'm over sensory right now. Like there's way too much sensory going on for me. So I need you to help me get out. And all I can do is scream because I can't tell you how I feel. Yeah. And so, you know, these kids who get in trouble in school, a lot of times it's really their communication form. Yeah, I agree. They don't know how to express themselves. I definitely agree. Right. Yeah, I do. Because, you know, like it could there could be so many things going on at home and, you know, they don't know. They're not. I think it also starts with the parents. Like if you have to communicate with your child and if you're not communicating with them, they can't express to you. And then you're frustrated and upset because your child isn't speaking to you or telling you what's going on. Or they may be afraid to, you know, I mean, think about it. our kids emulate everything in our environment, right? They pick up every cue from us. And if they feel that we don't love them or we think they're broken or something right. is wrong with them, that's what they begin to believe about themselves. And yeah. so then they take that further in and they're growing up. So when a child doesn't feel good about themselves, we know what happens. We all have, you know, everybody's had self-esteem issues at some point, right? right? Yeah. A lot of us still do. A lot of us don't realize they're even there still, you know, because we've learned to compensate or whatever. But for kids who are, who have that underlying a message from their parents, how are they ever going to be able to process how they feel and know what their truth is 
or have that trust with their parents, you know, that I am loved. Every human wants to be loved and every human wants to be heard. Those are like two qualifications that, that humans really want. Yeah. And I think you brought up a great point um, about children not being able to express themselves. Sometimes they don't know that the parents and um, teachers want to help you. We just need to know what the problem is. Like, for mm -hmm. example, my son, he was eloping from the schools and I was getting frustrated. Like, why are you running out of the school buildings? What's going on? Wow. What is the underlying issue? And I mean, through months of trying to figure it out and actually getting him to a different school that actually cared to get down to the problem because the school that he was in the first time labeled him as a troubled child instead of trying to figure out what the problem is. Mm -hmm. I got an advocate and long make a long story short, he was dyslexic and he was running out of the schools because he didn't want to read in front of the classroom. Oh, and it's just like something hard. so small mm -hmm. that have been avoided and fixed with mm. someone taking the time to try to figure out what the problem is. And I feel as though right. a lot of children don't know how to express their express mm -hmm. their health. So they react instead of trying to, they have so much, children have so much going on, they don't know how to communicate right. the right way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they do. And if we just stop and ask them, like like with my little guy, when he's like, I mean, he, he gets very hyper, right? Mm -hmm. And because his brain works so fast. And I'm like, okay, whoa, buddy, whoa, buddy, what, you know, what what's happening right now? <laughs> Right. I'm just so excited. I'm so excited. I'm like, okay, so then we can talk about it. So we put a name to it. We're taming that emotion. And then we're having a conversation about it instead of like, um, you know, if a child, even if a child is throwing things, if they're like when he was little, um, when he got bored or tired or something, he just start chucking stuff across the room. I mean, I, I we're lucky that cabinets weren't broken and the wow. windows weren't broken. It was hard. I mean, after his shots at two months, two years, he was a totally different child from then on. I mean, screaming, the aggression that it was just awful beside the other stuff that, you know, he was, we were already dealing with, but, um, you know, now if something's going on, like if he's grumpy or angry, it's just like, I said, okay, buddy, what's happening right now? Let's talk about this. And then a child doesn't get in trouble so much. They don't have to go to timeout all the time or well, parents spank, they, you know, they don't have to resort to those kind of things. They could just mm. talk and it's so much easier, but then it teaches the child how to process how they feel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it it's free. It's free. Mm -hmm. It doesn't cost anything, right? right. It, it's your time. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So can you give us some tips on to help parents that, you know, are overwhelmed with having children that are special needs? Because I know you've been through a lot and it can be overwhelming. Can you give us some tips um, to the parents out there? Sure. I, I mean, I, I think we need to go back to what Jenny Lee was talking about, where one of the things is to find your tribe, find those people in your life that support you and will support you because moms need a break, whether you're raising typical kids or non-typical, you've got to have a break from it. And you have to make sure you're, you're pampering yourself. I say pampering, but self-care is a better word, you know, just as much as the care you're giving for your children. Cause you have to refill, you got to put that gasoline back in your, your system. You know, I think also researching, understanding and knowing what's happening with your child that empowers you and takes more stress 
off of your situation and look for resources in your, you know, where I live, there's so many organizations that have resources that help and look on Facebook groups too. I know that sounds cheesy, but you know, there's a Facebook group out there for everything. And yes. you can go in there unless, yeah. And you know, you may need to rant. You may need to go, thank you for coming to my Ted talk. And you have this whole thing you've ranted about, but it's safe to do in there, you know, and, and you need to get that out. But, um, and then you may need a day where, you know, somebody might say to you, listen, I'm sending you a big hug. Hey, let's, let's meet up for a play date and let our kids play together. You know? So I think all of those things are really, really, really important and, and supporting a mom and dad care, you know, grandparents, whoever's helping raise the child. Yeah, mm. I agree. Cause you know, sometimes people will be like, Oh, you're super mommy. You're super daddy. But no. reality, it's a lot. It's a lot. You know, you have to deal with, you know, your personal life, being a mother, being, you know, making sure they go to school, protecting them. And, you know, through their, especially if there's circumstances, um, like your daughter has been through, you have to do so much. And it can, it can be overwhelming, especially with those that don't really have the support. Right. And don't ever apologize for what your family is and what your kid is, what you have going on. I mean, unless you have a super destructive child who's hurting other people, of course then. But I mean, you know, when you go out places, I mean, I, I believe it or not, I have had a mother, what was it? Mm, five years ago, six years ago, not want her child playing with my son because of his diagnosis. And I thought you have to be freaking kidding me. Wow. I mean, he he's, he's as normal as any kid out there. Cause all kids at that age, all do weird stuff. Right. I mean, right. all of them do, right. You, kids they're bookers, they, yeah. you know, I mean, you know what I mean? They, they suck their toes. I mean, they do all kinds of weird stuff. Right. So, uh, I mean, so he, I'm but, normal and I did some of that stupid, you know, yeah, like, I know. <laughs> I mean, everyone does. Well, it. Done it. I know. Right. Yeah, we turned out, I think, okay, right? But I mean, you know, it, it's just, um, it's. I, I was just really shocked at that, and I thought, you know what? For a lot, for a, there was a period of time there that, you know, because I had, because we'd been through so much trauma with my middle daughter, I didn't talk about things very much, and I didn't talk about them publicly. And now it's like, yeah, you know what? My kid goes to a, a school that 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 allows all children in, and they're really good at taking care of his needs. So I talk about that school to people, and I am very grateful for this school. I mean, we did this thing, I don't know, four years ago or whatever, and I called the news, and the news station came in because we did a special day just for autism kids. You know, it's on April 2nd, but, you know, we did the red carpet, and they, you know, they made it super special. So the whole school celebrated all the kids with autism in the school. And so, um, you know, I just think that we should never have to apologize when, when my little guy was young and he was one of those that if you came near him, he screamed. I mean, and it was like somebody killed someone both blood curling screams. It wasn't just like, ah, you know, so it was like, we, I didn't go out a lot. I wasn't around people very much because that was a very awkward thing to have to deal with. And, 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 and a friend of mine said to me recently, she's been a, a teacher with my, my older girls for a long time. She said, yeah, I remember when he was little. And she said, I remember how people acted with you at the school when, when you would come see the girls and he was in the stroller and then he would be screaming and they'd be like, why well, can't, you get him under control no 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 that's not what it's about it has nothing to do with my kid being out of control this is this is what 
autism, this is what spectrum, this is what challenging and disabilities are, are about. And so, you know, I just say, don't apologize for it. I mean, unless it's a really bad situation. Now, when you're in a restaurant and your child does it, blood curling screams, and like the whole restaurant is looking at you, which we had that experience. And my girls look at me and go, mom, what do we do right now? I said, do not look at anyone. Keep your face down and eat your food and do not look at anybody. Okay. We will leave the restaurant when we're done eating and he's calm now, but don't make eye contact because, you know, somebody might've said something ugly or hateful. I don't know, but you know, it's, I, we just, we just, our life is what it is and our kids are what they are. And when you have a kid with challenges, you're probably doing the best you can. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't and, I love that. Don't entertain. And you know what? No. And you know what? There's a word out there, compassion. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Just because like, like what I've learned, you know, working with special needs kids, you know, a lot of kids don't understand Not A lot of people don't understand. But I think sometimes instead of just like looking over or assuming or judging, take the time to understand, take the time to be like, you know, are you? Even if instead of just staring, ask if you need help. You know, we have to help one another because one another because, like, it, it takes a tribe, it takes a village to raise kids, whether they're special needs or not. You know, yeah. you know. Okay, maybe she's maybe you're having a hard time and you're trying to go out to eat with your family and he starts screaming like that. Okay, well, what can I do to help? But no, people just start staring and just so rude about it. And people are. People are really mm -hmm. ignorant. People don't take the mm -hmm. time to just think before they say things as adults. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's just like, if it's you crazy. don't understand something, ask or educate yourself at times. Exactly. I just think yeah. a lot of people are just very ignorant when it comes to certain things, especially out in public, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. And, you know, people with children that have need. Now, I mean, if your kids I mean, continue to scream, you need to take them out of the restaurant. I'm not saying just let them sit there and do that because they also have to learn that behavior is not okay. You know, but you, you also, you know, we also people with kids, the challenges, we, we want to go out. We want our kids to have a normal experience or because they, yeah. they got to get used to that. They got to get used to, okay, this, this is what we do. It's like driving a car in, in America. If you have a challenge or not, you can't drive on the left. Don't want you to be great today. That's all that is. See, you are educating us and telling it how it is, and the enemy is just like not. Yeah, I'm like, get on out of here. Get out of here, you gremlins. Go in the name of Jesus. Get out. We're not finished talking. Go ahead. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know where we're at. You were talking about driving. Oh, cars. Yeah. oh yeah. Just, you know, we, they have to learn too, but we want to go out in public and, and teach our children. And, you know, we want to have a normal experience and let them have those experiences in life. It's like all people, we want to have experiences in life, you know, see the fireworks or what just really hard for a child with sensory. So, you know, we, we've always been in a way distance for the fireworks forever. Um, but just, concerts and movies and you know, whatever you can, you know, anyways, we just, we want to go out there in public as well. So it's appreciated for people to not, you know, look at you like you're weird. And just because a child has a diagnosis, don't treat them like 
something's wrong with them. You know, like I've never treated my kids like there's something wrong with them. I mean, my little guy is nine and he didn't even realize until this year that, that he even had anything, that he was any different because I've never treated him that even though, I mean, he doesn't know that all kids don't go to speech and, and OT. He didn't know that because that's what he's done his whole life. He's been in that since he was 18 months old. Mm-hmm. But I've never said, hey, you're you're different or you're weird or I, I or you can't do that because I've never, ever said that to him. And so that's another thing as a parent. Don't stop your child from doing something that they want to try unless it's going to injure them. They need to try things. You know, I'm my little guy was one of those when we went to the um, playground when he was little, he would walk around and touch everything, but he would never get on anything. So people would stare at us like, what is wrong with him? Right. And I would act like it was totally normal, totally normal. So it's cool. My kid's touching something, you know, he may not be sliding down and doing all the things that your kids do, but he's here and he wants to be here. And what a great thing this is. So that's, that was always my attitude. Mm, I love that. I love, I love how you let him be free and let him be him and you know you don't label it wrong i i didn't make it wrong you know like come on what's wrong with you why don't you get on this why why don't you why are you just touch things why are you so weird no 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 those i never ever ever said those things ever and that's good and i'm sure when he's ready when he goes to the park he would get on he did eventually (laughs) he trusted it it when it was his time not our time right Right. absolutely it's all on their time like i mean he still doesn't ride a bicycle yet that's okay this summer that's what we're going to conquer last summer we conquered swimming you know i'll tell him okay we're conquering this this summer this is what we're doing okay you're going to do this i because i want to pour that into him Mm -hmm. that belief system so that hey Mm -hmm. if mommy believes in me you know, because he's not old enough yet to believe in himself 100%. So if mommy believes in me and daddy does and everyone's encouraging me, I must be able to do this, right? So yeah. of that reverse psychology stuff, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I love that. I love that. You push him and he he doesn't even know his his own strength. And with without you, obviously, um, he's he's definitely came a long way being nine years old, especially swimming. I don't even know how to swim, but we're not going to go there. I know. <laughs> Okay. Well, you need, I want, I want you to learn how to swim because listen, I well, first of all, you know, I'm from Florida. So in Florida, you just throw, you throw the kids in the water. You just throw them in, learn how to swim. My brother in six months, learn how to swim, right? Because there's so much water and you worry about things happening. And so at our pool, actually here in our neighborhood, we have a neighborhood pool. There was a child who walked in without their floaties and coded. We had the fire department out and I was like, Oh yeah. You're learning how to swim, buddy. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care if you're an adult, we're still floaties with you. You're going to learn, you know? I mean, well, I have to come to Tennessee, Tennessee to figure out. She's gonna throw me in the pool. So I, I, I am. We're gonna go. Jenny Lee is coming. We're gonna go one. <laughs> I mean, I think we're gonna take turns because I can't swim for nothing. I float okay. though. I do the okay. doggy paddle. I keep okay, swimming. But you and Car- you, you and my little guy can swim because he's still doing. He's swimming, but it's the doggy paddle. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm like, dude, you have arms. Use them. Reach for those apples like they tell you, you know. <laughs> Being as though that you're an advocate um, 
for two amazing uh, companies. Can you share your business, how we can find you and how others can be connected with you in regards yeah. to their journey and you helping them possibly as well? Yes, absolutely. So I'm I'm at www.maryejackson.com and on my website is like all my children's books. So I have ones for littles and I have a middle grade reader that just came out and um these books are passion projects, but the little the ones for younger kids have I am statements in there to help you start that positive language with your child. The premise behind them is that no matter how you came into this world, you are perfectly made and you are okay. And mommy loves you no matter what. And the middle grade reader is an anti-bullying story, but it's a story of redemption. So it's about teaching kids how to be responsible for their actions, how to own them, how to learn to forgive, forgive others. There's tools in there for schools to use and classrooms and stuff. I have some adult books on my website. There are anthologies that are, they're amazing books and they're about journeys of overcoming. So you can get in there and read all these journeys of what people have been through, what they've overcome to help empower you to know, okay, I can overcome this too. You know, um, I have some advocacy stuff on there. I have some free downloadables as well that are like writing prompts and social emotional writing prompts. And um, I think the one I put up lately was, um, I don't know if it's there, I got to go look, but it's like seven tips for raising your sensory kid who's also, you know, a highly sensitive to it, intuitive, empathic child. Okay. Um, they're all kind of, I, I see that they intertwine a lot. Um, and then I have two shows, they're a writer show that's for authors. And I mean, it's, it is, it is authors, but it's all about the writing world and go, you can find a new author and a book to love. And then the um, special needs TV, which is all about the special needs world, you know, it's got stuff featuring that. So that's where you can find me. <laughs> oh, that's dope. You got a lot going on, but it's so much good stuff. So Thank much you so much. Website. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, and so for you ladies, because um, Jenny, you guys might be interested in Billion Hyphen Strong because they're a global for-profit that um, um, they make sure companies all over the world hire people with disabilities. Mm. Amazing. I love yeah. that. I yeah. love that too. Wow. They're a real powerhouse company. I mean, the woman who's in charge, Deborah Rue, she has Rue Global Impact and her mm -hmm. oldest, is 33. She has Down syndrome. So that's how she became an advocate. But wow. she's a butt kicker, man. She's a trailblazer. I got to check it out. Thank you. so yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. You guys can sign up to be supporters, I think, but you don't have to, you know, you don't have to financially give to be one, but you could then know everything they have going on. So. That's awesome. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Thank you for that again. Um, Mary, uh, we have a question that we ask our guest speakers. Um, what makes you uncommon? I saw that question and I thought, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe that I decided to take this journey in the first place and said, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> because I mean, I, we're sitting here talking about so much stuff. Who would sign up for all this? I mean, so, Hey, I got nothing to do. Yeah. Give me all these trials and challenges and three kids who need stuff. And, you know, um, I don't know. I think, um, I don't know if it's uncommon, but I, I certainly have tried to, I love to help motivate and inspire others to see, see the best that's inside of them, to know they each have a story, to know what they can, they can overcome, to be able to live their best life. 
Um, you know, to be able to tune into that, that voice that's inside them, what their spirit is wanting them to do. Um, because it's so important. We, we got to hear ourselves. We got to listen to ourselves. Right. And so um, I don't know if that makes me uncommon, but I know that's something I'm passionate about is seeing that in others and helping them embrace that, you know, and embrace what, what empowers them. It's so easy for us to see things for other people, isn't it? Than it is for ourselves. And um, I don't know. It's just something that I, 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 it's really very close to my heart. Oh, that's awesome that you have a passion for that, though. Yeah, I do. I do. Because we we all we all are we're all more amazing than what we ever thought that we are. And that's not an ego thing. It's not an ego thing. We're blessed as humans to be on this planet. And we need to embrace that. Not what the world says about us. What do we say about ourselves? We have to make that decision, right? Not from an ego place, but from a really a genuine, honest love. Mm -hmm. I like that authentic. Yeah, very. Mm. I like that. I like that. Shanira, do we have any questions from the audience? Just some comments, people showing love. Hi, mm. Joira. Thank you for tuning in. No, we don't have any questions. Go ahead. Um, before I close, I want to say thank you for coming on, Mary. It's been an honor uh, to hear your story. You are like the super mom that, you know, three, taking care of three kids and then, you know, and they have special needs and then like, you're just phenomenal. You have, you're writing your books, you're doing so much, but you're not just a mom, but you're also an inspiration to other moms out there with children that are special needs. And I hope someone took some, um, took uh, some jams with them this evening and just listened in and just to know that, you know, there is a tribe in the village and there's so much resources for them out there, you know, so that if they don't ever get to that point where they're feeling, they feel overwhelmed with having children with special needs, you know? Yeah. So thank you again for uh, sharing your story and to all of the audience out there, make sure um, you come check out our self-love apparel at www.uncommonwomen.net as well as um, I am still currently looking for uh, for someone for the ne for next month, for the month of July. I'm still looking for someone for the awarenesses for cleft and craniofacial and psychoma awareness. And if you, or, if you or anyone knows anyone that wants to come on that is advocate or has a story, you can email me at uncommon3women at gmail.com. And as well, make sure you come on next Thursday at 7 p.m. Central. We have another guest uh, speaker coming on and a very incredible testimony. And before I close out, make sure you check out our YouTube channel um, at Uncommon Three Women. Uh, uh, I mean, Uncommon Women Podcast. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, everyone, stay uncommon. Thank you. Bye. Bye.